host. I thank you so much for joining us here on the program. We come your way Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., streaming live at those times at richarddugan.com. The podcasts are on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, and many other locations that you folks are reposting our interviews to. Uh, we also encourage you to go to our guest's website, which we'll be giving you shortly so that you can continue your evolutionary process. And we also want you to, if you can, support us financially. We have PayPal and Patreon accounts for your security as well as ours. And we hope that you can do what you can to keep us moving forward here on this program. Uh, 14 years, that's what we're into this program, 14 years and uh, going strong. And we're very excited about that. We're also going strong with the 2020s, the decade of perfect vision, where we encourage you to go within spend some time meditating, just taking some time for yourself, get to know who you are. And uh, we encourage you to do that so that um, you can uh, continue to uh, recharge and energize and stay focused on what is true and genuine about you and your life. And we hope that you will uh, join us in doing that again during the decade of Perfect Vision, the 2020s. So uh, stay with us and uh, help us out to do that. And it'll make this world a better place. It'll make you a better person. And that's not to say that you're not a good person now. Don't get me wrong. But as they say, uh, and I agree with this, there's always room for improvement. We're going to talk today about some serious improvement in an area that is extremely important to all of us because they say that if you don't have this, you don't have anything. If you don't have your health, you don't have anything. If you're struggling with dis-ease of any kind, discomfort, pain, uh, fatigue, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, it's very difficult to move forward. Now, what makes it even more difficult is let's say you're going to uh, a physician, maybe even a practitioner of sorts, and they're not really there with you. They're not focused on you. They're more interested in getting through as many patients as they can or clients, depending upon how they phrase it. And they don't really take a genuine interest in what's happening to you to help you through, even if it's orthodox traditional medicine. You know, you sit there and you wait in the waiting room and then you go into the, uh, the um, examining room and you wait there and you wait and you wait and you wait. Finally, the doctor comes in They're with you for five minutes and then gone. Well, we're going to talk about healing with a loving heart. And uh, we're going to talk with uh, Susanna. And is it uh, Stoika? Thank you so Stoica, much. For yes. Well, Susanna, thank you so much for being with us and sharing with us this aspect of uh, healing with a loving heart. Thank you for having me on your show. You're very welcome. Discovery. Uh, basically a healing heart, you're going to discover the power of energy healing. Now I'm familiar with a lot of different modalities. Which, which modalities are you referring to in this context? Uh, I learned a lot of modalities and I am certified as a healing touch practitioner, but I was born with this capability. So actually I went to study Reiki and polarity and so on only to meet people crazy like me. <laughs> As you know, it's not easy to be a healer. 
because people, many people think, especially when I started nearly 40 years ago to go public with it, uh, they looked at you like you were a little bit off your rocker. And given the fact that I was working in uh, developing advanced technologies, computer technologies, uh, it was kind of uh, not so good to, to tell people about being uh, a healer. But well, uh, yeah, go ahead. But today is much better. Uh, I can find in any audience uh, somebody who knows about what's healing. And they will ask me exactly the question which you ask, which modality you are using. I have mm -hmm. to say that it doesn't matter. It's only what is the order in which you uh, attack the uh, changes in your in uh, energy field. So it doesn't matter what. Okay. And I would I would absolutely agree with you on that that it really does not matter because if you are someone who is wanting to help others you, this is kind of how I view it, you become a conduit of that energy, but at the same time, even the conduit receives from that energy flow, which is, which is really kind of nice. It's, it's like um, you benefit even as you are conduiting, if that's a word, <laughs> the energy to the person who is in need. Yes, absolutely. You benefit because you see that you help somebody and you see somebody smiling again, as I explained to people, that's uh, my biggest reward. But mm -hmm. also because when you are working with somebody, you are directing the energy using your own body. Yeah. And that's why it's very, very important for a healer to be a clean conduit which means absolutely non-judgmental, totally focused on the person you are working with, and you can't play around with using your uh, power play with this uh, energy, because then, then you are not a, an efficient healer. You have to, to really have the focus of helping others, and only that focus. That makes sense. I know that as a Reiki master myself, I was taught that all I am to do is send the energy to this person, whether they're their person at present or if it's an absentee, and let them decide what they're going to do with the energy. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're not, uh, the healer is not responsible for what happens. As long as you know that you are a clear channel and you have the focus which your, the person asked you to have, mm -hmm. what happens in the person's body depends on if they really want to get well, because you will find to, to one surprise that not many people want really to get well. Some are healing junkies and they will jump from one healer to the next, mm -hmm. or they are emotionally not prepared to get well. Because sometimes uh, there is a deep emotional trauma that keeps them in a certain place. And uh, you have to deal with that emotional part before the person can really get well. Well, it's, 
interesting that you bring that up because when I was working for a Christian station back in the 80s and early 90s, we would have these live uh, prayer programs where you would encourage people to call in and ask for prayer. Well, these prayer programs went on for years. And I noticed that a lot of the same people were calling in for their healing. And it took me a long time to finally grasp the reason why they were calling in for the same thing over and over and over again. And it's like, well, wait a minute, why haven't you healed? Or why, why hasn't there been some change? You know, you're still asking for the same thing. And then it dawned on me that it, you talked about uh, emotionally ready. Well, my observation was, and is to this day, what they needed was that connection. Maybe they were living alone and they didn't have much interaction with people. So this prayer program served them in that capacity. Absolutely. It said to them, oh, there's somebody out there who, uh, who cares, who is willing to pray for me, you know, and so on and so forth. And so I realized that, okay, then that's what their need is. And so they're prayed for and they get that need met for that time. And then they'll call again in a week or two or three or what have you. So uh, another story that, that my mother and father shared with me, my, my present wife and I, who are Reiki masters, we wanted to uh, send an absentee healing to my dad's brother who had been diagnosed with cancer. And uh, so they gave us a photograph and we took it home and we, we did the, uh, the, the absentee healing. And about, oh, I don't know, maybe it was a month or two later after his passing, they told us this story. And it's a very brief one where uh, shortly after we had, and we had informed them when we had done this, uh, they said shortly after you had sent that absentee healing, um, his brother, he got very angry, threw his medications across the room against the wall got into his wheelchair and wheeled across the compound where he and his family lived, like maybe more like a ranch, and went into the house where his son lived. And apparently they had a, a time of closure. And shortly after that, he passed. So that's what he wanted to do with the energy. Yes, yeah, so, he needed that uh, closure. So it seems to me we need to redefine. Right. We need to redefine the word healing. Exactly. Because some define people, it for us. Healing means uh, passing peacefully. Mm -hmm. And I had a, a similar story with somebody who I met, a kind of a mentor of mine. And uh, she was a nurse. And everybody was surprised that uh, wherever she worked, patients went, got well. And she was known for it. And uh, she lived a very long life. And one day I get a call from the person who introduced us. And she says, you know, she is uh, not responsive, but she's very angry and she cannot pass. So immediately I went into, I took my car, I took a day off and I drove down about four hours uh, south of here. Mm -hmm. And when I got there, I realized that the problem was that uh, none of her sons came to visit her. Oh. And the reason was that they were angry with her because she refused to live with either of the, of the sons because she wanted to stay independent. And I talked to her and I did a... a 
healing specific for people who are ready to go. And I explained to her that uh, they are busy, but they send their love and so on. And she immediately, then her son, who arrived a few hours later, called me up next morning and she said, you know, you did a beautiful thing. I came and my mom woke up, smiled, closed her eyes and passed. Mm. So uh, healing means healing emotionally from something. Actually, one of the biggest surprises of my healing practice was that uh, I thought emotions maybe have a 5% influence on, on our health. Now I am convinced that some illnesses like fibromyalgia are 100% uh, emotional. And I know because I cured myself of fibromyalgia. Uh, but cancer, for example, is very high percentage of it is uh, emotional. If you find the key, the, the emotional key to the cancer, why uh, they got sick. What is the terrible thing that happened in their lives that uh, they cannot forgive? And you uh, get the forgiveness, uh, cancer re really disappears. Well, I didn't think I would ever in my lifetime be associated with anybody who had cancer until my present wife developed a rare form of cancer in 2001. <laughs> and um, uh, it, was, it was something that I had never expected. And of course, neither did she, I, obviously. Oh, but sure. we went through it. She's made it through it. She's been free and clear of it for almost 20 years. And um, thank God. <laughs> and then we even began to speculate whether or not there was really cancer there in the first place because of some of the other things that we started to speculate about. But I think that was a situation where we had to let all of that go because that was really not relevant. The fact of the matter was we got through it. We're here. We're now, et cetera, et cetera. And um, uh, it's just, you know, it's one of those things where you just have to, to get to a point where this is what is, and this is what I have to deal with. And that's what I need to focus on. If a person comes to you and is seeking quote unquote healing. And again, as I said, we kind of need to, uh, we kind of need to, um, I don't know, uh, redefine the word or use a different word. Because it seems to me that really what we're looking for is uh, maybe, maybe we're looking for peace. Because with dis-ease, there isn't peace. There isn't calm. There isn't tranquility, if you will. Which is part of what we've encouraged people to do in terms of, as, I, as you heard me say at the front end of the program, talk about going within. Yes. Spending time, finding that peaceful, calm space. And... It seems to me that that's really what we're looking for in, in, a, in, in whatever the situation is. And I'm wondering, too, if, the, if you only deal with 
individuals who have a physio or biological, emotional, mental, and so forth condition, or because I've been taught through the Reiki training that you can actually use that energy for situations in your life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, when I go in the energy field, I can see uh, emotions which are stuck in the field and I can remove them. It's very easy. Once you find them, you can, as you know, you can correct them. Mm -hmm. And it can be uh, something that happened uh, a week ago, several years ago, or even in a past life, which was really surprising for me. But sometimes people uh, get healed only after I find a past life problem. Ah. And the most extreme case was of a lady who I needed to go through eight past lives. Wow. Very, she came to me with a very bad case of asthma. She, could, she couldn't lie down at night because she would uh, choke. And uh, she, luckily she had enough money that she had a whole uh, hospital basically set up in her home. So if she got into a crisis, she was able to be taken care of. She had a nurse all the time. And she wanted to go on an African safari, which was one of a kind experience. And the guy who was uh, the guide was going to retire the next year. Mm. And she was willing to try anything, very honestly. So the very first um, session I had, I I am a certified hypnotherapist too. And I hypnotized her. And once I, I induced the hypnosis, I asked her to lie down, and she was able to lie down without getting a crisis, mm. which told me that a lot of her problem, or most of the problem, is emotional. Or So as she came, when I uh, brought her back, I, I told her, do you know that you were lying down? Because I did light hypnosis and she says, yeah, I was shocked that I was able to lie down and I was okay. Mm. And we went through eight different lifetimes. Every lifetime she died suffocated. Oh my. Uh, And uh, she was uh, once in 1800s in a house and the house collapsed on her and she was hit by a two by four and she couldn't breathe anymore. She couldn't move out of the house. And the house collapsed on her. Another time she was a baby in her mother's arms. The mother danced and uh, fell on her. And she got... The worst was once when she was in the, the time of the plague and she was dying, but she wasn't dead. And she was thrown in a uh, grave. And uh, finally, the last one uh, was a memory from a past life when she was a a man, a hunter, and the bear came at her, but she was able to kill the bear. And that solved it. And uh, she was able to go on her vacation. She took some medication with her, never used any of it. 
and she had a wonderful time. Mm. You know, it's it, it to me it is extraordinary when I hear these different stories of people who they really take charge of their health and well-being. Uh, and I think of one individual. Um, you'll probably I, I I can't recall if it was Norman Vincent Peale or another individual who is a part of the the sort of the self-help group of, of days gone by. And I think this was back in the 50s when he was diagnosed. And he was given like, I don't know, six weeks to live. And he's laying there in the hospital bed. Or he's Norman talking to the Cousins, doctor. Uh, thank you. Cousins. Yeah. And he said, he said, no, I refuse. And started watching cartoons and things that made him laugh. And he lived years after that. Yeah. It, it is truly amazing, uh, uh, these folks. Let me ask you about the, the, the input uh, of other I, I want to call the, I want to refer to him as a healer, um, Edgar Casey, and the writings of Edgar Casey, and some of the information that came from him, had a lot to do with health and well-being, did it not? And, Absolutely. And I'm as to his influence uh, or impact or, or what have you on on the work that you do, on your mindset, your philosophy. Um. What influenced me is that when I was working in a medical practice as a resident healer, um, the doctors, uh, it was of, uh, they were all MDs, but they said, you know, we're, uh, we read about Edgar Case. Would you be willing to try uh, diagnosing some of our patients uh, with the Edgar Case method? So they took the most... Uh, unusual cases that they couldn't solve and I induced uh, light hypnosis into myself and then they would start talking about the a the names the age uh, address and then I would take off and one of the cases was a very strange case where they would give these uh, alternative medications and the person was literally dying, whatever they did. And I told them that what I see are two big trays, but huge trays of uh, vitamins. And when I came back, as I say, would you be willing to see this person? And I said, yes, uh, why not? So I went to this person because she was in the wheelchair and she had these two trays of vitamins. And she told me I can't eat anything because uh, I have to take all these vitamins. And I said, why are you taking all these vitamins? My husband makes me take them. Mm. So I said, look, I can't take away all of them. Uh, but we'll reduce it slowly. So I tested her so she doesn't get into shock. I tested her which vitamin, I can do the testing, what is best for a person. So I made a combination of, from the trays, what was still necessary for her to keep and what we could take away. So it was about half of one tray. Mm-hmm. When I came next time, the tray was full again. I said, why did you put back uh, the vitamins and supplements? She said, I didn't. My husband bought new ones. (laughs) 
And uh, when I was going in, I saw the husband outside and he was so angry at me. He was, I was really afraid and I told the doctors I am not going back anymore because I thought the guy is going to come at me and kill me. So I don't know what was the deal with that person, but uh, I never went back. Mm. Do you find uh, uh, resistance from family members sometimes, especially those who don't share the mindset of the person whom you are facilitating? And uh, basically they just, they want to stick with orthodox traditional medicine. And again, we're not castigating orthodox traditional medicine. It has its place. But do you find yourself sometimes uh, uh, where you, you're in a situation like that, that you've got uh, people that just... One of the kind, usually I don't find myself in such situations. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, what's happening, people, are, I found that people are afraid of healing if they don't understand it. And there are certain people uh, where healing is supposed to belong only to religious persons. And if they find out that you are a healer, they really uh, are afraid of you. And that happened to me when long time ago when I was still working in engineering and they found out about me I had people who literally made a big circle around my desk not to get close to me. They were so afraid of me. My goodness. And another one told me that if I if he wouldn't know me as well as uh, he knows me, uh, he would think that I am the devil. Oh my. And I asked him why why was why would be the devil because I just gave him some information to help his mom with her health. He said, because that's how the devil works, uh, gives you some good stuff and then uh, gets you. Oh, wow. And I said, well, I, I assure you, I, I am not getting you. <laughs> well, I know that uh, if, if it doesn't come in the right package for some people, uh, it can be very scary, uh, especially if they believe in uh, a certain philosophy or certain things that basically tell them that there's something wrong with this in spite. And this is what's real interesting in spite of what they will see or hear or sense or what have you, in spite of all of that, they will hold on to those beliefs. The beliefs are actually more important than the reality of what's happening. And we're seeing that, of course, today in our country, if not around the world, just when it comes to information. I mean, you don't know who to trust anymore. I, I mean, that's really the mentality that's out there. So yeah. I'm only going to trust those people who reinforce what I already believe. It's like, yeah, but there's no growth there. You know, I may not like a particular individual's philosophy. Um, and I've had all kinds of different folks on this program. But there may be something there. That, I, that may tweak my interest in that regard and help me to better understand. I even had one guy, I shared a, a, an aspect of what we were talking about with him. He says, well, let me challenge that a little bit. And he shared his perspective on that. And I thought about it. I thought, you know, that, that makes a lot more sense. And I said, well, there goes another one of my grass huts up in flame. 
<laughs> that's okay. I'm willing to burn them all down. I'm willing to burn them all down and build new ones that make more sense. Um, yes, you know, uh, if you have a different idea than they do have and their belief it's very strongly entrenched, especially if it's related with punishment, if they believe in a different way, mm-hmm. then it's very scary to to break down that scaffolding which which yeah. uh, holds their values. Because mm-hmm. that's, that's basically what it is. And, and that's what's interesting is, is the values that people hold, that they have, that they change. I mean, you still have, I, I would say, your core values. Um, one of mine, I would have to say, is that I believe my life has meaning. And I've gone through the whole logical process that if it doesn't have meaning and this whole universe is an accident, then... I would just leave this interview right now, go out, rape, pillage, and plunder because it doesn't matter because this is all an accident. But that doesn't make any sense. With everything that I've personally been through, it doesn't make any sense that this would be an accident. There's, there's a reason for it. Whether I know what it is or not, I just sense. I have this awareness that there is a reason. I have, um, is that where you come from too? That, that, and again, as you said before, you don't pass any judgment when you're sharing the energy, when you're, shall we say, <laughs> administering the energy. Um, but when you're not doing that, do you ever do you ever get caught up in that? Or have you really developed that mindset that holds, holds on to the core of there is no judgment here, period? I, I can't. I am not non-judgmental all the time. It's uh, I worked for much too long. I I never was really judgmental, but uh, it's a different, even a, a deeper version of it because of the years of working. Mm-hmm. And the way I explain to people is that, look, before we had medications, uh, people had only healing. And if you go in the jungles of, of the Amazon, or you talk to Aborigines in uh, Australia or Native Americans here, you will be surprised how much commonality it is between their beliefs. It's amazing. To me, that is the, probably one of the most extraordinary tests um, to verify and support. I, I don't know about you, but when I start thinking about the, the, about the diversity of philosophies that are out there and what you've just talked about in terms of the similarities, um, I find it interesting that they will adhere to their particular philosophy and then turn right around and pass judgment on all of the others. Um, and again, this goes back to the, the logical aspects of it. Uh, you know, we were given these incredible minds, just incredible. And um, I got to thinking about the one and only path as it was being taught, as I was being, as I was born and raised Catholic and then working at this Christian radio station. And I thought that doesn't make sense because each of the six, uh, each of the five senses that we have, 
allows us to experience um, life in all its diversity, from the diversity of foods and drink, to the visual uh, things that we see, to the things that we hear, to the things that we can touch and taste and smell. And yet there's only one way to God? That doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. You know? Uh, and uh, if you go at the very, very core, it it's always an entity which is all-powerful, and which organizes our universe. It's yeah. always an energy healing of some sort in all religions, mm -hmm. yeah. if you look at it. If I may ask, what was your philosophical upbringing? You said that you had this energy, you were born with this ability that you obviously began to discover and then utilize, but what about your philosophical underpinnings? I was born in a communist country where it wasn't allowed to have a religion. Ah. It was, uh, if you went to the church and you had a, a, a wedding in a church, your career was kaput. Finished. Uh, so it's very interesting that as a non-believer, uh, I had a lot of problems. Uh, why me? You know, when I became conscious, I did my first healing when I was seven years old, according to my dad. Um, and I did it without realizing that I was doing after that the, all through my childhood. Um, when I started uh, working, I had a really big problem. Why me, who is not a religious person, has this capability which is usually associated with religion. And uh, being Jewish, I went uh, to several rabbis and I spoke with them. And it was a very funny thing, what, what the first one told me, I never forgave him. He said, uh, do you help people? And I said, yeah, it seems that they get well. Um, do you honestly want to help people? with all your heart? And I said, yes. Do you overcharge people? And I said, no. <laughs> then go ahead and do it. <laughs> do you find, as, as the phrase has been used many times over the years that I have been involved in spirituality and, and metaphysics, they say that you need to do what you love to do and the money will come. The money will follow. And I think that to a certain extent that's true, but it's not like a pot of gold or six or seven figures in your bank account. It's like you're taken care of. It says, for example, uh, in, the, in the New Testament, in the Bible, Jesus is talking to his disciples about uh, uh, their worries about where, where their next meal is coming from and what they're going to wear tomorrow and so on and so forth. And he says, you see the birds in the trees? They don't, they don't work in the sense that humans do. And yet, there they are. And they're taken care of. And they're fed. And they're clothed, as it were. And their needs are met. And they're just there. 
And it makes me think that that's what we need to be about. And that is, you just need to be right where you are doing what you need to be doing. And in your case, it has to do with the healing. Um, at, at about what age did you begin to realize you had this ability, that you were the conduit of this healing energy? It was, I was about 34. Um, and uh, it happened because I, um, my husband uh, had a problem with his back, a six foot four man. Uh, he was very tall. He wasn't very physically active. And he was having back problems, as tall people seemingly have. And being a European proud male, wouldn't go to the doctor. So he would end up in bed anywhere for uh, from a, a week to two weeks or more with horrible pain. He literally had to hold on to me in order to go from from the bed to the bathroom. Mm. And I decided I something uh, I have to help him some way. So I went. I studied. Um, um polarity and while at the polarity course when they said to work on each other to practice my hands took off and started to move and i wasn't able to stop my hands or move them away it was like somebody else was holding them and they took control of them and uh, when i finished the lady i was working on told the, the others that uh, she had a very bad flu and uh, doctors couldn't figure out why after the flu she couldn't breathe anymore. And they tried all sorts of antibiotics and all sorts of treatments. Nothing worked. But now after I worked on her for 20 minutes or so, she was breathing perfectly. And uh, I got really scared. And I was trying to figure out what happened. And I went back to the yoga place where uh, the teacher taught the uh, polarity course. And he said, oh, this is so interesting. But you will have to find out for yourself what it was. And the teacher, <laughs> my teacher, told me the same thing. And it took me about two years to figure out what happened. And I started doing healing officially because my son was diagnosed with cancer of the kidney, uh, of the adrenals. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, if I was able to help that lady, I have to do it on my son. Mm -hmm. And true enough to my, to his doctor's shock, uh, his urine test had uh, adrenal output hundred times more than normal. And it was completely normal after I worked for him for a week. And the doctor was saying, this doesn't happen. I sent it out to two labs. This doesn't happen. <laughs> Finally, I told him, I am sorry, I have to tell you. So he never forgot me. Actually, I referred to him. Uh, he was in Minnesota. That's where we lived at the time. And uh, then later, many years later, I sent him a patient who was living in Minnesota and I was living here in Detroit. And he still remembered me. Hmm. Yeah. So let me ask you, going back to my example of my, one of my uncles, my father's brother, what if it had, what if the, the, the energy 
that your son took in from your healing work had gone the other way and he said he he did and 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 this would have been your son's decision to say you know what i i'm not going to fight it i don't think it's uh, the time from my experience as a healer i think the time of, of passing it's not as much as a person's decision as it is a god's decision Okay. And as a healer, because I worked with people who were ready to pass, but they wanted really, uh, some relative wanted very much to, to still be able to see them. And uh, I was able to delay it, but it never for too long. And I know that's, that's tough, a tough one to, to even contemplate uh, in terms of uh, knowing that the best I can do is give them the energy to do with as they as they wish, uh, instead of I'm going to heal you, I'm going to fix you. And of course, we men that's that's what we do, you know that we we want to fix. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes the fix isn't what you think it is, and so we almost have to let go of expectations. Absolutely. And we have to recognize, uh, actually, my um, polarity teacher said it very nicely. Imagine yourself like a flute. You are a flute with a uh, beautiful sound, but you are only uh, a flute and the energy goes through you. It doesn't change you. Mm. Mm-hmm. So you, you, you are just this conduit for the energy. What, you shouldn't be attached because if you, attached, you are attached to the outcome, then you are stressed while you are working. So you don't have your best work. That's a good point. That's a good point. And that would be true with anything that we're doing, period. But especially if you're doing energy work, because then you run the risk of blocking the flow. Yep. And you don't, and you don't want it, you want it to flow freely through you. Uh, I had asked you earlier uh, about, or made the comment about how, as the conduit, you receive benefits from that energy flow through you. Can you talk to us a little bit about how it has, uh, and again, granted, you don't have any expectations. You're not healing this person or sharing this energy with this person for your benefit. But at the same time, you also know that you're going to. Can you share with us some experiences that you have had in that regard? Um, yeah, when you are, for example, if I, am, uh, I have to uh, have a session with somebody and I have a very bad headache, I can still do the session because as soon as I calm down center before going to, uh, to start the session, I am in a different vibration. I no longer have feel anything, no headache. I am completely clear mentally. And I will be that way about half an hour uh, after the session and then i am back to myself mm. as a scientist i i asked myself what is that 
And I realized what's happening is that when a person is uh, sick, energetically, his vibration goes down, which is means less vibrates slower. Now, in order to heal somebody or facilitate their healing, better said, you have to hook into their energy field, bring up to a higher vibration, kind of pull it up, and then they get well. So when you pull it up, actually your vibration will be higher than what is the final result in that person. And because of that, you are in a different dimension. Mm. And then when, when you are done, that stops, that connection stops, you can go back to your own vibration. That is why for healers is extremely important what they eat, they need to be properly hydrated because a higher frequency takes more water and you have to take care of deep breathing. So you are conditioned to be able to do this frequency change. Well, lots of preparation, certainly. But what about on a spiritual level? What kind of spiritual preparation do you need to do to facilitate this healing? Uh, keeping, uh, for example, because I worked so many years, I can't get angry. I literally get sick if I get angry. Mm. In order to keep your calm, the best thing is to have deep breathing exercises, meditation, uh, yoga type exercises, and live a, a clean life. I can't drink because if I drink, I can't be clear. I can I I can't work properly. At least myself, I can't. So I cannot uh, I cannot use uh, any kind of of marijuana or or drugs. <laughs> I I try to to use some uh, CBD cream, and I ended up literally not being able to keep my appointments, not remembering stuff. Mm. I am terrible. So uh, this work sensitizes you. So anything that you do has a, has a much deeper meaning. So you have to be very clear. You have to be uh, forgiving people, which not, doesn't mean to, uh, uh, to accept any bad stuff that uh, is done to you, it means that you let go of that energy of, of uh, anger, mm -hmm. of being hurt. You have to, uh, I have to, uh, I can't take medications. Literally, I need to have baby pills if I ever take medications. Uh, it's, uh, you become extremely sensitive and because of that, you have to have a, a very clean life. I have to eat healthy, otherwise I don't feel well. I have to, to, to keep calm, otherwise I don't feel well. Well, I have to tell you that I have had to go through a process myself of getting myself balanced again. Uh, as I've shared with our listeners, back in July, 
late July of 2020, I was diagnosed with uh, type two diabetes. And um, I said, well, okay. I was, I was probably in shock for about a half hour going, really? Even though I'd had the diagnosis many years ago of prediabetes, which then I, of course my blood sugar was normal after that. And it was around where it was supposed to be. So I was a little, you know, a little freaked out at first. And then I realized, well, shoot, this is temporary. This doesn't have to last. And so um, I knew, and I knew what had caused it. And it was the pandemic because as most people were doing, I was eating comfort foods. They say shop at the ends of the store, not in the middle. We were, we were shopping in the middle. So I knew that that was a prime cause uh, of my blood sugar being higher than normal. Well, uh, as of our conversation, and this is based upon checking my blood sugar almost every day with the little meter and all of that good stuff, I don't have it anymore. Now, that won't be confirmed until they draw blood at the end of the month and, and do the A1C, but I mean, I have readings as low as 89. I have readings as high as, I think the highest reading I've had since I've gotten down below was 154, but that I knew, and that's another beautiful thing. It's almost like I think everybody should have, should carry one of these things to, to see how their blood sugar is doing. 154, but I had just had a stack of pancakes. <laughs> Lots of carbs, okay? Yes. But, it was on, but it was only, only 154, okay? And yeah. so the, the average has been around 108 to 111. That's the average. That's <laughs> so I went from a high on July 24th of 544. Wow. Down to the low hundreds by mid-September. Wonderful. And all I had to do was get back on the, the I, I don't like calling it a diet but get back on the, the program, so to speak, that my wife and I had been on before the pandemic started. And that was, we were eating salads and we were eating chicken and we were eating uh, lots of low carb, low sugar stuff. We weren't necessarily trying to do it. We just felt it was healthier to do that. And my blood sugar was around hundred every time they would check it back over the last few years. So it wasn't something that, you know, I had to wait, I could take care of it now. As a matter of fact, I shocked my, uh, my physician. He told me the story about one guy, his was like 640 and he got it down within like uh, four or five months down to normal. And I had that guy beat big time, not because of the high, but because of how quickly I got it down. And the neat thing about those meters, you can't cheat or lie. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, I haven't had a soda, soft drink, sweetened soft drink since july 23rd and i drink those uh, flavored sparkling waters that have no calories no sugar no carbs um do you crave like the soda now no i don't crave it every once in a while i'll be in the store and i'll want to buy a can and i'm thinking well one can's not going to hurt me but by the same token i think okay but if you take your blood sugar within the next three or four hours, it's going to show up for one, for one. And number two, it's not good for you, period. I mean, yeah. 
my, my mother told me that my grandfather used to use Pepsi Cola to clean his engine. Yep. And so and, uh, if they can use it to clean the engine, what do you think it's doing to your insides? Now, I've known that for 30 or 40 years, but I didn't listen because I used to drink lots of sodas. Uh, do you know, I heard somebody was telling me that uh, in India, they use Coke to, to put on in the fields to kill the bugs. <laughs> It's cheaper. <laughs> well, there's another... Uh, okay, so now we can label it as a pesticide, and you really don't want to drink pesticides. Exactly. Wow, wow, that's incredible. Well, you know, Susanna, I, I am, I am excited about the work that you're doing because of the folks that you are helping, and I would venture that your health is very good. And I'm curious if you go to a traditional physician every so often to just have the test done, or you just intuit, you you know your body. And you are just aware of how you're doing physically, mentally, and emotionally, and spiritually. Uh, I know how I am doing. Uh, unfortunately, one of the problems I have is that I had uh, uh, some traumatic brain injuries, which really uh, played on me. I would have been a, a vegetable today if not for my knowledge as a healer. I put myself back together. And I even wrote a book to help other people recover, uh, heal your brain, reclaim your mind, um, because I, I was taken advantage of big time. So I don't want other people to be taken advantage of because you can't think straight. Anyway, uh, when I had that fall, uh, I fell backwards on black eyes, which is eyes that you can't see. Um, I was in winter. It was a nice day and the eye, surface of the ice was melted so you couldn't see it. And I've, I didn't have anything on my head and I fell from vertical position on my back and twice an hour apart. And by the time I, I uh, finished with the second fall, I couldn't remember words in any of the languages I speak. And I speak fluently three. Um, when I had that fall, a second one, I tried to stop and I injured uh, my hip and that hip eventually needed a replacement. Actually, the doctor did it too soon. I didn't need it yet, but anyway. And uh, the first one broke, the second one was infected. So I, ha I had a very bad surgery. So that uh, impacted my capability of walking properly. So I am still fighting that. Otherwise, I am really healthy. I am uh, very productive. In um, uh, the last four years, since 2018, I published nine books. So <laughs> I, am, wow. I, I am teaching. I am uh, going to conferences and uh, I'm mentoring young healers. So I am very active at my age, which is proudly 74. So, uh, yes, I know what, and I go uh, for checkup to, uh, to a doctor 
to make sure that I don't miss anything because I believe in being preventive rather than waiting till you get sick. Well, you have several other books as well, including Reluctant Healer, An Introduction to Energy Healing. That's your story, isn't it? Uh, that is uh, the story of that book is that I wrote it originally when I was working in the medical practice because people were asking me, explain to me what is energy healing. And uh, they had a series of, of standard questions and I had to answer for every client who would come to me again and again the same things, plus other doctors from other practices wanted to understand what I was doing. So I wrote that book a long time ago, and then I rewrote it when I had 20 years later because I, I had more experience, and I wanted also to give some people some tools to do some very simple healing. So the book has, uh, it's a story of uh, a complete healing, uh, as well as answer to the most frequently asked questions and some uh, healing exercises. And basically pain uh, drain, removal of pain. And it's interleaved a little bit with a story, how did I get into healing? Mm -hmm. You also have five mirrors, five blessings having to do with uh, uh, people, anyone is feeling overwhelmed by life's events and is struggling to reach their full potential. And it's the story of a woman who examines her life in order to figure out why things happened the way they did and how different people shaped who she is today. And apparently this is uh, actually a composite as you have put together of many of the women uh, that you've worked with over the past 30 or 40 years uh, with uh, and the emotional traumas described uh, are typical for our time. And of course, we're all going through, some people are calling it traumatic, this, this whole business with the virus and the pandemic and lockdown and all these kinds of things. And, and um, it's taken me some time myself to get to a place where I am a little bit more understanding of where people are instead of almost saying almost saying come on get over it you know put on your big boy and big girl pants let's move forward we've got work to do we don't have time for you to sit here and 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 uh, you know wallow okay. in the mud okay but the thing is that, that that's part of the grieving process and there is no timeline on grief because right. people have lost so many different things. So yes. I've, I've gained a greater understanding and respect for people who are still struggling, even after six or seven or eight months. And um, we just, but the rest of us who feel that we're strong enough to do so, uh, we'll keep moving forward and we'll hold a hand back to grab them by the hand and pull them forward when they're ready, that kind of thing. Um, and listen to them the most important thing you can do to help somebody who is grieving is listening. Mm. We were talking about that on another program about listening. And there's a difference between what's going on right now in the world in terms of the listening uh, and what we, you and I would be talking about because 
most of the time we're preparing our response to what they're saying. And we're, so now we're not listening to the whole, the entirety of their dialogue. And um, I've heard it said that we need to try to understand where they're coming from. And I realize that's a, a, a difficult thing to do because we're not in their shoes. Uh, what is interesting when you are really listening and mm -hmm. you don't try to fix it, you get much more information, sometimes from the things that are omitted in the story. They will mm. tell you their story by things that are omitted. Because once which uh, a person goes with the story to a certain level and then they stop, it means that's a trauma. Mm. Okay, makes sense. We do need to listen. We do need to focus on what people are saying and what they're not saying, so to speak, between the words, as it were. Yeah. The, uh, in, in, uh, in acting, they call it subtext. Yeah. They call it subtext. And we need to listen to that subtext as much as possible. I, uh, I just find uh, the work that you and others like you, I mean, yes, I'm a Reiki master, but I, and every so often, you know, I'll be sitting there and I'll be thinking of a certain situation that's troubling me. And I go, okay, start, you know, think of the symbols. And okay, now the words and da, da, da. And I start kind of going through that process of just kind of sending the situation energy, saying it's going to be okay. Trust the universe. That's probably the biggest phrase that I think of when, when I'm thinking of the challenging times is trust the universe. You've trusted it this far. You know, why stop now? What have you got to lose kind of thing, you know? And, um, and sometimes... The other exercise, which is a, a fantastic to help you when you are a real gem, and I do it, is uh, to ask yourself, what is the worst thing that can happen? Five mm. times. That's a good point. What's the worst thing that can happen? Yeah. You know? And you, uh, by the fifth time you ask it, uh, you get to an absurd uh, response, usually. It's just, again, extraordinary what we are able to accomplish if we would but allow ourselves to accomplish it. Sometimes, I'm sure you probably feel this way with many of the people that come to you, that, you know, we tend to get in our own way, don't we? Yeah, the beauty of uh, the work that I am doing is that I can... Uh, removes the trauma without the person even realizing it. So they, uh, I can uh, change the, their story, which frees them up to be able to uh, move forward with their lives. Healer, speaker, author, inventor, engineer, inventor. What have you invented? Talk to us about that before we wrap things up here. I'm, that's intriguing. I am uh, ancient. I was part in uh, my country of, of the first team of engineers who designed a commercial computer in, in my country. Then oh. I came here uh, and in the US, I was part of uh, the group of people who defined 
the technology, which is called uh, integrated technology, which allowed to have notebooks and uh, um, iPhones and all that. Wow. Uh, actually, this is how it looks like. Oh, my, that's a chip of sorts, yeah, right? That's a chip. And I defined how, how to design with it. How It's a very different way of designing when you have the chips. And I had uh, some uh, inventions regarding uh, design of this type of chips. I had, uh, among other things, a um, tool, a software tool, which... Um, what happens when you have these integrated chips, you can't get into it to test it properly. So we had to define some strategies to, to improve the testability, it's called, access to it. And uh, I designed a tool which was able to do my work as an ex uh, specialist I was doing uh, this work by hand in three weeks for a chip. Uh, other wow. people were taking three months. And Perfect. I designed a tool uh, using uh, literally dumping the way I was uh, thinking about it um, that was uh, able to do the same work in five to 10 minutes. Wow. That's incredible. I, I'm I am in awe because every time I pick up my phone and I move my fingers around and do all the things that you have to do with the phone with your fingers, uh, I am just I'm astounded at how it even works, you know. And I'm not going to ask you how because it would take too long, and I probably wouldn't understand it. But it it's again, it's just something that is just so incredible. And and uh, we saw something similar. Uh, back in the 60s in the old Star Trek series, uh, even in the 80s with the Next Generation series and the types of panels that they had, which now we've got them all over the place. Yes. Uh, in, in, the in the movie Minority Report, where they were able to move stuff around on the screen and resize it and push it away and all of that. We've got that now. It's, it's just incredible uh, what we have now. And I can't even imagine what we're going to have in the future. Um, do you? But let me ask you this, especially in regard to healing. How does this technology help us in the realms of health and wellness? Or, or have we taken it too far or are we using it too much? Because it's, it's, like, it's like a hammer. A hammer in and of itself isn't dangerous or isn't harmful. It's how it's used and how much it's used. So is that your perspective that the things that you have worked on, invented, and, and engineered, they're basically very benign, but it's the mindset of the person using them that can become malignant? Um, it has a lot of advantages, but when we as human beings are using it the wrong way, for example, making a computer a babysitter instead mm. of reading to our child, or uh, we rely too much on machinery to define what's wrong with a person, 
which means the doctor doesn't have the time. And by the way, I understand the doctors very well why they keep you five minutes only in in their office because they are pushed by the insurance companies to do that. Mm -hmm. They don't have a choice. But I remember in my childhood, if I went to a doctor, he, he listened and knocked on my body around and listened to it. And he found more information about my body than all these tools. And for example, to uh, make you understand, if uh, I am seeing, if I look at somebody with brain injury, I can give you more accurate information than any MRI. But they wouldn't use healers to do the, to help and uh, yeah. and help them in define. I tried as a healer specializing in brain injuries to to offer my help to, for research, and they wouldn't take it. Wow. So this love, excessive love of technology and relying exclusively on technology rather than using what is good from the past and integrating it into the new technology, it's a problem. It's a real problem. Because I could have used they could use my knowledge as a healer and improve the existing tools. I want to thank you so much, Suzanne Stoika, for joining us. The website I want to send people to is stoika.com, where you can get more information. And that is spelled S-T-O-I-C-A, Susanna Stoika, Ph.D. She's a healer, speaker, author, inventor, and engineer. What a remarkable career. Her books, one that we've been focused on today, Healing with a Loving Heart, Discover the Power of Energy Healing as well as Five Mirrors, Five Blessings. And she has a series of cookbooks as well, uh, bestsellers, Cooking After Brain Injury, Easy Cooking for Recovery, as well as one she's also mentioned to us, uh, Heal Your Brain, Reclaim Your Life, and How to Recover and Thrive, as we have talked about a lot on this program, Thrive After Concussion. And Susanna, I want to thank you again for joining us. And uh, let me, I'm probably not the first, okay? But let me welcome you to the States uh, and uh, to what we're doing. Because I know, even though I know you've been here a long time, and yeah. thank you so much for joining us here on Tell Me Your Story. We'd love to uh, have you back to talk more about the work that you're doing. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I appreciate it. I have three final questions for you before we go, which you may have addressed during the interview. But I like to ask them directly. But before I do, I want to let our listeners know that we're here Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., streaming live at richarddugan.com. The podcasts are also on richarddugan.com, as well as SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, and many other uh, outlets that you folks are reposting our web uh, podcasts to. We're also on YouTube. We have these programs on video now, so you can watch. You can actually see and maybe indirectly, vicariously meet our guests. So you'll get a chance to meet Susanna Stoika here on uh, Tell Me Your Story. And if you'd like to support the work we're doing, if it resonates with you, we would love to uh, have you support us and be a part of the work that we are doing. And uh, we have PayPal and Patreon accounts. We have links on the homepage and the missions page for your security as well as ours. And uh, give whatever you can, send us whatever you can. We'd greatly appreciate it. 
Also want to remind you about the 2020s, the decade of perfect vision. Please take that time to go within, find that peaceful, calm, quiet, serene place. Get that intuition, that information, that uh, guidance and inspiration that is uh, available. Honestly, that is the best place that you're going to get it. But also go to our guest website again. It's stoica.com, S-T-O-I-C-A.com. My first of three questions to you this afternoon or on this program today are, number one, who is Susanna Stoika? My most important role is uh, that of a mother uh, and grandmother, of course. I happen to be a healer and I studied to be an engineer. And I enjoy all aspects of my life. What is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you're doing now? I want to help as many people as possible. Teach them to take care and of their health. Take responsibility for their health. That is very important because if you don't take responsibility, you lose your power. So I'm teaching always when I work with people, I teach them how to get hold of their power. Finally, what is your life's purpose? From all what happened in my life, it's very interesting um, I was guided to get to this point. My PhD thesis was in building computers with circuits that mimic the neural cells or the brain cells. The easiest thing the, to work with for me um, was re uh, helping people with brain injuries. So my purpose, I think, is to help people with brain injuries recover, but especially teach them how to be prepared for brain injuries so they can be helped better by, by uh, doctors. And uh, also how to limit the effect of a brain injury if they get one and how to recover and also how to be a thriving old person with a clear brain. So that's basically my book, Heal Your Brain, Reclaim Your Life. Well, Susanna Stoika, thank you again for joining us here on the program. It's been a pleasure to not only meet you and talk with you, find out more about the work that you have been doing, as well as your, your part in the devices that we are uh, using uh, and uh, need to get a little bit better control of. Uh, we can do that. We individually have the technology, and we can do that. And again, I thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. I thank you for listening. To tell we are giving you choices and knowledge, the knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. Until our next broadcast, podcast, videocast, love to love.